It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into episode 290 of the Sources A Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental tonight. An absolutely huge show with major, major Kentucky basketball recruiting news, namely the addition of Travis Perry and the anticipated announcement of Jaden Quaintance that is coming this week in Kentucky is seen as the overwhelming favorite ahead of that commitment. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team Look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. Just sitting here, ready to talk some Kentucky basketball, some recruiting, and then hit the road to Chicago for what we hope is a fun night tomorrow night. Yeah, so we thought this show was just going to be kind of a, a Kansas preview show we had talked extensively in recent weeks that John Calipari loves to build recruiting announcements around big events. Big Blue Madness, Boogie Flan kind of went hand in hand there, brought in a lot of high profile guests. And, you know, he that, that's just how he's operated. DJ Wagner past years, you know, like that's that's uh, Aaron Bradshaw right ahead of Big Blue Madness. That's just how he operates. He likes to, you know, kind of keep the momentum moving forward and the brand moving forward. Uh, so Travis Perry was kind of the appetizer. We'll talk about him uh, and just kind of what that decision means. It was an unbelievable surprise, one that I was you know, thrilled about when, when it, it came down the pike. Um, but then tomorrow we kind of get our first real home run of this class and the one that we've always said, all right, if we can build the complementary pieces around them, you can just uh, around um, – one big foundational piece like a Jaden Quaintance, then you could start feeling really, really good about where things stand in 2024. And uh, that's coming down the pike. Jaden Quaintance said to make his commitment tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well. But let's get started with Travis Perry, what that commitment means for, for the Wildcats, um, and just the surprise factor, the, the buildup to it, how we got to this point. Because, Sean, this was one that the general working assumption was that it was going to be Cincinnati or Ole Miss, WKU kind of flirting as that dark horse in recent weeks but really there was not a whole lot of talk about Kentucky uh, and then Kentucky kind of s- sneaks in there late and and takes him and and it it makes it kind of makes us all look stupid because this is a kid that grew up wanting to be at Kentucky the all-time leading scorer in Kentucky high school basketball history it's like duh why why did we overthink this uh, but it is something to be said about Travis Perry uh, John Calipari continuing the streak of adding the best in-state talent yeah, I, I was actually surprised yesterday, and I didn't have anything pre-written because I just kind of had not. I don't want to say that I had just kind of given up on it, but I kind of was just thought Cincinnati or Ole Miss or someone else. But no, we we knew Jack like when they offered him. It was July of twenty-two, I think, when he got the Kentucky offer. Like Kentucky was there the entire way, all the way through. You and I saw Travis. I believe it was late August at something in Lexington, watched him work out and stuff. And and you and I left there and we're like, you know, Kentucky's in a good stance and Kentucky's in a good position. But for some reason, when it came down to it, it was one of the few times in this job that I've actually been surprised. And it actually felt good to be surprised. It's refreshing. Because it. it was kind of like, okay, there's excitement around this one. It's an in-state kid that's two straight years in a row that they've taken the top player from the state of Kentucky. They're they're getting there's get, they're gaining interest on some other kids in state for future classes. Like there there's a commitment to keeping the best of the best from the state home, and that's something that Kentucky fans have, have always wanted. They're Kentucky fans love every single player on the roster, but they cheer even harder for a homegrown kid. And you're seeing it now with Reed Shepard. You're going to see the same thing with Travis Perry. But Travis is a guy that's not coming to Kentucky just to claim a spot. He is coming to Kentucky because he believes he can play in that program and he can help this program win. 
I think he can too. I said yesterday, I think he carves out a role. It, it's a big commitment. This He's a top 100 kid. I mean, he's the all-time leading scorer in Kentucky high school basketball history for a reason. I'm going to get a good look at him it, around Christmas because they're in the tournament at Catholic that we're in, and they're on our side of the bracket. So I talked to Travis in August, and I told him, I said, I hope I see you at Rupp Arena, and I hope I'm trying to game plan, trying to trying to stop you. But, man, what a talented player that Kentucky got yesterday, and a good a good kid too. And it was never disrespect about the lack of, you know, mutual conversation about Kentucky getting Travis Perry. If anything, it was the exact exact opposite. Travis Perry is not the type of person to be starstruck by the logo, by the Rupp Arena lights and the just because, you know, there are some guys in the past that have signed with Kentucky, you know, completely blindly to the fact of I'm a Kentucky boy. I want to play for John Calipari. I, you know, not really factoring in the, okay, when I'm, when when is my time going to come? What is my role going to be? And we've seen some of those guys that just kind of sign up to take a seat on the bench, not really pan out at Kentucky. Travis Perry, the reason why we kind of said, man, I don't know. I would, I would look at his relationship with Ole Miss. They were the first among many to jump in and say, you know what, that guy is is our you know that's under Kermit Davis, but then when Chris Beard took over, it was I mean just a continuation from one one to two, and, and they were right there in the thick of things. Cincinnati jumped in; they had an unbelievable pitch. They were basically saying you can come in and play thirty plus minutes a game, get as many shots as you want. You are the best player in the state. Take you know one of the best scorers we've seen with our own two eyes. Why don't you come and continue what you're doing immediately as a day one freshman? It was a mature, he's a really, really unbelievably mature kid who was always going to focus on fit and relationships and all of the other things, proximity to home as well. And he talked about how much that meant to him, but it was never going to be a decision about the logo and the brand. And just because I'm a Kentucky boy, I'm going to stay home. And then he saw Reed Shepard play basketball. Then he saw a guy that he has competed with in the past, a guy he scored 43 points against in a game last season. He saw, okay, if he's able to step in at Kentucky and do what he's what I saw him do in high school and continue that under John Calipari, why the hell can I not do that? Travis Perry is a confident, not not arrogant, not cocky. He is unbelievably confident in his abilities. And that was kind of the turning point with this of, okay, if Reed Shepard can do this and he is as good as it gets and proving that he's not just another Kentucky boy taking a, a seat on, the, on John Calipari's bench – he was going to be an actual player for this team. Travis Perry saw if Reed Shepard could do it, I can too. And I, you, you, that, it's the road less traveled for what he could have gotten elsewhere in terms of NIL role, minutes, shots, whatever. He took the road less traveled, and you got to respect him for it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I think he's coming to a program where he is going to find his place, and I think he's going to have success here. And you've got fans now dreaming of a Kentucky backcourt next year that includes lineups that will feature – you know, Travis Perry and Reed Shepard together. And you got Boogie Flynn in there too. Like, I think there's a commitment that when you look at what Kentucky's doing, and I know maybe I'm getting a little far ahead of where we're wanting to go, but the style of play and the skill level that they're recruiting, it's not just the best athletes anymore. He is going and getting basketball players now that can shoot it, that can stretch you out, that can play it from three, play from three levels, score it from three levels. That is a commitment that you're seeing now across it. And, and Travis fits that mold. Of, of what Kentucky is wanting to do at that spot. So, no, I, like I said, I was really surprised, but it was really cool to kind of see him up there on that live stream yesterday, you know, with his family, he had his teammates that he had been with for almost his entire life, I think since like grade school that they had played with him. And you, you just saw a kid that was already just beaming with pride of wearing Kentucky across his chest and gets to focus on his high school basketball season now with the pressure of a commitment off his back. And he's going to, I mean, look, he's going well over five, right at 5,000 points, I believe, right? Is that what he's, what's he at right now? Is it like 43? I don't know the exact number, but I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been playing varsity basketball since the seventh grade. 43.59. That's, that's a lot of basket. That's a lot of points. That's a, that's a dude that knows how to fill it up. And uh, I saw a picture of him today floating around on Instagram and he was at a game as a fan, I believe with his girlfriend on the Kevin Knox Kentucky team. And he was courtside taking a picture wearing Kentucky stuff. Like, this is a dude that's always wanted to be there. And when he got the opportunity, 
he he took it. And I think he's going to come to this program. There's that matchup you're talking about last season with him and Reed where they, they both went off for a big night. That's the tournament that we are actually in at Catholic this season. So uh, definitely looking forward to getting a, a close a close look at Travis. Yeah, and just some of the behind the scenes learning what I've learned since the decision came. Because I'll be totally honest, I did not know that it was going to be Kentucky. I woke up on Sunday morning to uh, four or five texts that said, Travis Parody, Kentucky, what the do? And I, and I, I kind of looked at it and I was like, nah, it's just some, you know, last minute message board rumblings and, you know, just, you know, maybe uh, throwing dissent off a little bit or whatever. Cause I just not heard anything about Kentucky being in there. Uh, and then just learning after the fact today, actually, that uh, Kentucky had talked to him in recent days, Saturday uh, and then early Sunday morning. Um, he, I think he knew, he felt pretty confident, Sean, that, Kentucky would probably be where he wanted to be Saturday. He was kind of trending back that direction. But, Sean, he didn't finalize his decision until Sunday morning. So the reason why it had been so quiet, you know, it wasn't like this well-kept secret that he's just, you know, the, you know, like this aha gotcha moment that he was trying to hold from everybody. It was this that he was genuinely conflicted because, again, he's a really mature kid and saw all of the different options. At all, I mean, so many different benefits that he could have chosen from. Uh, and at the end of the day, he did value the fact that he was a Kentucky boy that was going to be able to compete immediately at Kentucky. It wasn't just, okay, it, he wanted to bet on himself uh, just as you'd expect a confident three-point shooter, a guy that shot 45% from three, 53% from the field overall last year. Like This is a guy who believes in himself, believes in his abilities, had a really tough decision that I was told he did not finalize until early Sunday morning, was kind of trending that direction uh, on Saturday afternoon going into the evening. But Sunday morning is when it was finalized. And I think that's just so cool that uh, Kentucky, this this really was a last-minute steal by the Kentucky coaching staff. Because goodness gracious, you better believe that Cincinnati wanted him just as bad. WKU obviously wanted him as a hometown potential hero. Uh, and Ole Miss was right there. Even Alabama made a late push. But, uh, man, it, it really is cool that, that he saw the road less traveled and said, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself because guys like that need to be at the University of Kentucky, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to someone yesterday and they made a good point. They said, we probably should have been looking Kentucky more than what we were in this one, because if any of those other schools had beaten Kentucky head to head for a kid that Kentucky wanted from the state, we probably would have got a leak on it. Like it probably would have came out. And because they would have been, you know, definitely celebrating that going head to head against Kentucky for an in-state kid. You know, if, if Kentucky wants a kid in the state more, more often than not, they get them. Uh, but, no, th this is a very talented player. It's it's a guy that understands how to play the game, how to score the basketball. Not not blessed with a, a ton of height and size and athleticism, but he understands positioning and how to play on the basketball court. And he has been a an unreal scorer for a very long time at all three levels. I'm interested to see how his game transitions to college basketball and what he kind of specializes in because you're, you're seeing Reed's game like and what he's doing in Kentucky and getting on the floor and – and being a, a kind of a guy on the defensive end of the floor that's making a name for himself right now with what Kentucky's doing on the court. So what does Travis do when he gets here? We know scoring the basketball is going to be part of his game, Jack, but you're getting a high IQ basketball player, and Kentucky's starting to get multiple guys like this. I mean, we're talking about what Trey Mitchell is to this team this season. you got Reed Shepard on, 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 the, on the floor for Kentucky. You're seeing it all across the board with the basketball level of talent that they're getting and, and the guys that understand how to play the game. And you're seeing Kentucky kind of blend that together now in the way they're recruiting. Yeah, it's John Calipari putting his money where his mouth is for, you know, I, I, I'm going for basketball players. It's not the, the narrative fit this roster really well, so I'm going to kind of build my season narrative around this basketball player talking point. This was – I'm – Travis Perry had a committable offer June 22nd, June of 2022. Back then, I remember asking the, you know, people around the Kentucky program, is this a token offer? Is this a real thing? Or, or, you know, is this for PR purposes or is this a real thing? They said, no, John Calipari wants it. Cal, Cal thinks he's awesome. And then he goes up and follows that up by dropping 63 points in front of John Calipari. So yeah. this was a committable offer from start to finish, uh, recruiting him down the home stretch and and you know I 
that was the difference, I think, that this wasn't just a, eh, he has a seat here if he wants to be here, but, you know, we're, we really don't care about him. This was Cal saying, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd love to have you. We're not going to make any promises about playing time or, or anything like that, but he is, the, the door is wide open for him to be here if he wants to be here. And I think that's the, 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 that's a good on Cal as well. If you drop 60-plus in front of John Calipari, then you've got some dog in you because – that's that's John Calipari sitting courtside, and you just go drop sixty plus. That, yeah, that that story that night, that performance in front of him, you know, that was pretty convincing. If if you're Cal, and and it was interesting, you know, Reed got the offer, and him being a legacy guy, I think Reed always knew where he wanted to be for sure, and it was always Kentucky. It didn't take long for Reed to to announce his commitment, but but Travis held on to this offer for what 15, 16 months before he committed. And it goes back to what I was saying, and you're seeing some more dominoes now falling for Kentucky. And it goes back to the, the couple of episodes that you were out and Zach was in. Zach and I were talking about recruiting, and I was like, John Calipari is big on this early signing period and having multiple names in it. And what looked like two at one point could be three, could be four. Like it, it's it's what he's doing with this window when he has a large group of guys signed in the early period. Those are when Kentucky has their best classes because then those guys can just focus on their high school basketball season. Cal can then shift his attention to what is happening on the floor right now and then looking ahead to other recruiting classes, but also kind of keying on what is the missing piece or two that needs to be added to the current class or next season's roster. It, it just takes a lot off their plate. And you're seeing Kentucky now doing the exact same thing that they like to do, Jack. Go all in on this week. Champions week is always a big recruiting week. And like you said earlier, he likes to line big events up. And this is another example. First, it was Santo Ciro. Then it was Boogie Flan. Now we have Travis Perry. Tomorrow, Jaden Quaintance and makes his uh, anticipated announcement. This has been a very quick f- finalization of his decision, I guess you could say. Uh, really abruptly cut it down to four, then four days later, cut it back down to two. Uh, it's Kentucky or Missouri, Sean. Um Back and forth. Like, I'll be totally honest. I heard two weeks ago that Florida was the leader here and that Missouri had jumped back in the lead, that that the, the NIL conversations were going, you know, a little crazy and that this was going to be this was going to be the first real I, I, I hate using the word bidding war, but I, Cal was going to have to talk in NIL with Jaden Quaintance in different ways than anybody else, because this is a two year deal. He's going to be because he's 16 years old. He's going to have to be here for two years. He's not eligible for the NBA draft until the 2025 NBA draft. So that kind of changes the entire trajectory. I guess or 2026 draft rather. Um, it changes the entire trajectory of what this commitment means and why this is so significant. Because Jaden Quaynes, for who he is, top five recruit in the country, number one center in the class. What he does is exactly basketball player. We've talked about it. He is the future of basketball. He's 6'10", 225 pounds, can put the ball on the floor, uh, capable of making the right reads, making the right pass, dunking on your head, extending out, growing jump shot. It's not super consistent yet, but it's growing. He's comfortable. It's a part of his game, whether you, you know, that that's going to be something that he uses, utilizes moving forward. He is kind of the, the Bam Adebayo prototype style of, of player where don't just look at him as the athlete physical presence that he is right now. He is growing his game. I was with John Calipari at an EYBL event this spring watching Jaden Quaintance for the first time. When Cal saw his eye, had his eyes on Jaden Quaintance for the first time, he hit back-to-back threes after dominating in different ways, dunking on people's heads, making the right pass, defending, blocking shots, doing all that. And he hit back-to-back threes and Cal looked to Chin Coleman and said, this dude can make threes too. And it was like that moment you could kind of see that like, okay, Cal sees this guy as somebody different than anybody else. And I mean, that that's what his future as a basketball player, Sean, is DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns, but a physical strong presence that outside, inside, bam, out of bio, put the ball. I mean, look at that. Put the ball on the ground. He's comfortable getting to his spots. In being that kind of versatile playmaker, multi, you know, uh, positional versatility, like that, that's what this guy is uh, in Kentucky is the overwhelming leader ahead of his commitment. I have heard unbelievably good things about Kentucky's chances to land this guy. And we've talked that 
this is the one in this class, Sean. If there was one guy to kind of put all your eggs in a basket, it's Jaden Quaintance. And uh, I think Kentucky's going to do it. I think Kentucky's going to get him as the headliner of this class. And now you can start thinking really, really big about what this means. Yeah, you, you absolutely can. And there was a question there in the chat that I think you have addressed at some point possibly, but it was uh, – I think Nick asked if if Jaden Quaintance comes, does he do two years at Kentucky? Because there has been you know some talk about one year, then G League. Jack, I don't see someone coming to Kentucky and then leaving Kentucky for G League. If it were G League from the beginning, it, it, to me, K- Kentucky, like if he comes here, it, it is a two-year path, if that's where it ends up being. It's – on the table because he is legally allowed to do that first and yeah. foremost, but because there will be a re-up, renegotiation at the end of year one, no matter what. And by doing that, then the, okay, do we want to try the second year path with a G League? Do we want, he wouldn't transfer anybody anywhere else. But the only reason why that's even on the table is because like a guy like Amani Bates kind of set the precedent of, of okay, if you're going to make a two-year you're going to be in college for two years. Maybe you could get creative. And that's where those kind of rumblings have come from. But it's my understanding that Jaden Quaintance will be at one stop in college over the course of two years. That Jaden Quaintance, if and when he signs with the University of Kentucky this week during the early signing period, it will be a two-year deal. And that's massive because you're now not just talking about what he can be for Kentucky this season and the foundational building block that he is for this 2024 recruiting class. You can also talk about the possibilities of what the heck it looks like for a guy that's already as talented as, as talented as he is right now in year one, guaranteeing that you're going to get that guy for a sophomore season in college. Like that, that's something that we have never seen before in Kentucky where you, you know that everything that you're getting as a freshman is ice is, is icing on the cake because you know, the real finished product is going to be a sophomore season. So whatever you can get out of him as a potential star in year one, you know it's going to be that much better in year two, and you're guaranteeing that you're going to get that. That's kind of where the, whoa, man, this could get really exciting. That's where those conversations start. Well, and and not to get too far you know, ahead here and, and looking too far down the pike, but you're talking about two years of college basketball, Kentucky, that just so happens to line up with a class that includes A.J. DeBanza. And that is scary. And I'll get to see both those dudes here. We're actually playing in the same event, which I know we'll get to in the next week or so about a little bit about that, but I'm going to get to play in between both those guys. <laughs> Jaden, I think plays after we do and AJ and Tyron, those guys play before we do. So I'm going to get up close and personal and get to see these guys in action. I already have it peach jam, but that's the stuff we're talking about here with the way Kentucky's doing it with what we're seeing on the floor right now. And there's, to me, when you're talking PR with what Kentucky's doing, Cal has done a lot of stuff that a lot of people are really happy with what John Calipari is doing right now. Just from the what the product you're seeing on the floor, the commitment to changing the way that they play offensively, the other the things that he's saying, and now the ways recruiting. You're t- you take Travis Perry, like that's another win for for this fan base. They love that. They love homegrown Kentucky kids. And now the way he's lining this stuff up, Jack, like this. This I'm starting to see a really strong three-year run here for Kentucky to where it looks like Kentucky used to look like Kentucky. Yeah, and Cal, every time he's talked about this 2024 class and just the future of recruiting in general, what has he said? 24 is looking really good, but 25 is looking even better. You know why that is? Because Jaden Quaintance is a part of both, and that's the exciting part. It's it's the it's just the thinking of the possibilities of what Jaden is right now and knowing that he can, he like, there's a comment that said he could step in uh, in the champions classic and go for 18 and 11 tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I go that far because he is raw. Like he's, he's young. He's a very, very young 24. Like there, there's, there, there's a reason why he has to be in, co- in college for two years is because he is unbelievably young in maturity in that same way. Like the, it's going to be a raw product, but there's just so much there. The, the raw tools that he has, the physical tools that he has, nobody else in, in high school basketball has, and nobody else in college basketball will have next year either. Uh, that's the really exciting part. Kentucky should be getting good news on Tuesday, um, and that, that's that, that's the foundational piece. That's what you build around. You already have a really nice kind of complementary set of Boogie Flan, Travis Perry, um, Santo Cyril. Now you get uh, Jade Queens to be added to that, and then – the latest talk is 
we're going to get a commitment from Billy Richmond here at some point that Kentucky uh, has kind of emerged here. There, there's conflicting talk. I've, I, I talked to a lot of people today that um, haven't gotten a consensus about when an announcement could be coming because um, the initial anticipation for him, the, the plan for him for the last month or so has been December or even January, that he was in no rush, was going to take his time. And, you know, he, he had talked about, okay, I want to decide at Peach Jam. He, he was really wanting to expedite the process. But then when Alabama came in, Memphis really ramped things up and some other schools, he wanted to give them kind of a fair shot and see what that pitch was, not just pick Kentucky for the sake of picking Kentucky because of all the easy connections between the two. He wanted to make sure his decision was right. And I don't blame him. It's a great mature decision on his part. So the talk was December or January about when that would be announced publicly and when he was going to be ready to make that decision. Uh, and then you know, as the days kind of creep closer, November 15th is the end of the, the signing period. It's kind of like, man, Kentucky's building something special. Maybe that's something I want to be a part of. Uh, and John Calipari is kind of feeding in on that, that, that Cal has gone above and beyond to make Billy Richmond feel like, you know what? We're building something special with this 2024 class. We want you to be a part of it. What's the point? Like, what? why wait until January? Why push this off for the sake of pushing it off? Let's do this. Let's make this happen. Uh, and I think it's a pitch that has worked. And I've been told that Kentucky is in a really, really good spot with Billy Richmond. I would not trade Kentucky's position with anybody right now. Uh, the only thing I'm not confident in right now is if he signs this week and then announces later. Like last last year, we heard that DJ Wagner signed the week before his actual commitment. So when he, when he committed publicly – we got the the press release immediately and all that stuff behind the scenes because he had already been been signed. We could I would not be shocked if we get something similar where we get a signing from him this week and then potentially get a commitment, public commitment at some point in the coming weeks. Regardless, Billy Richmond is one of my favorite players in the class, a guy that Cal has had his eyes on since he was in the eighth grade. This is yet another piece of a what is turning into a, a really, really strong 2024 class. And, and did you think we would say that just a couple of months ago? Because you you and I were talking about 24 and, and how it looked, but you you get a couple of reclasses. You, you, you take, you know, you get Travis Perry and they got Boogie. It was down to the wire with him. And w- the thing that we talked about with this class, Jack, is the guys that you did go in, you had to get. Like you couldn't be left scrambling and, and searching in this class. Like this isn't top to bottom, a deep, deep class. But when you're talking Jaden Quaintons and you're talking Boogie Fland and you've got you've had Sompto since the summer, you get Travis Perry this week and you're, you're mentioning Billy Richmond now. Like the way it's coming together, you've got a good blend here of what of they, they can commit to the style of play that they're playing now. And I know Cal talked about it at the presser last week that they had to play a different way with Oscar and those other guys. Well, the, the guys that they're getting now, they can continue playing the way that they're playing with this current roster. And they're getting guys that can play in space. And you're seeing a commitment on the recruiting trail to staying in touch with what they're wanting to do with the philosophy offensively that you're seeing since John Welch and, some, and, the, and they've been in this program the last couple of months. So definitely exciting times. And uh, so tomorrow you could get a win before the hopeful win, right, at the end of the night. Like it could be a really, really good day for Kentucky basketball. Yeah, and they're all complementary fits. Like everybody wants to know, okay, well, which class is better, Duke's class or what Kentucky's would be if Billy Richmond joins, and what happens with Darren Peterson? We'll talk about him in a minute, and, and you know his potential addition as a twenty twenty four reclass candidate. Um, you know, Duke's class is very good on paper, but it's four wings and one center. Like, who is going to be the point guard? What? What? Who are going to be the primary ball handlers? It's a it's a really talent-driven class, but it, it the complementary fits don't really make a lot of sense. That's why there was a lot of talk uh, leading up to signing day was, you know, would we get a, 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 a commitment or two backing out of their pledge because the, the pieces don't necessarily fit the way that you'd expect a, you know, one through five group to fit. Like, yes, they're positionless players, but uh, I, I'm still not convinced who is their primary ball handler going to be like, who's going to be the go-to guy to go get a shot and whatever that that's the question. I think Kentucky has done a really nice job of setting a foundation of complementary pieces, especially if they add Billy Richmond in the near future, especially even further if they go in and, and land Darren Peterson, who for my money, uh, it would, if he were to reclass to 2024, he'd be a top three, uh, potent, you know, top four for sure, potentially top three or 
three com- in that conversation for 2024 as well. Darren Peterson is as gifted as they come as, as a pure scorer in the class. You could have two top five talents in Jaden Quaintance and Darren Peterson there. And that's where you start talking about. All right, let's let's roll the balls out. Let's let's get let's get this thing tipped off. Is he another two year guy? Has to be. Is that how that would? He would. He would. Yes. So there's. I mean, there's so much appeal to, to having both those guys. But talking about Duke's class there, I mean, yeah, the, the talent that they have, you can, you can't argue with the the pieces they got. But I'm, I'm with you, which kind of feels like maybe that's a portal guy that they add there that you know that can you know be a ball handler or something for them, depending on where they go or who returns for them. But Kentucky, to me, they're addressing the way that they're playing now you've got boogie who can stretch the floor and how cool was that that we got to kind of sit in on i love and over here john calipari's conversation with him and john calipari say the exact same things that we've been hearing him say at press conferences when he tweets when he talks publicly about the, the way that they're playing you can tell that this guy has kind of fallen in love with what kentucky's doing offensively and you're kind of seeing that now come to fruition with the way that they're recruiting the same roster pieces. So I, I love where Kentucky's at with 24. You you definitely got to love the, the the kind of the jump on 25 and the guys that they're targeting. What's going on right now on the court? Like it, it feels like all is right in the world of Kentucky basketball. Now you just got to beat Kansas because that's – you got to win in the Champions Classic. And I know they're, they're, they're at a significant disadvantage with no front court, no interior. But this is an event that Kentucky has not won in since 2019 when they, when they beat Michigan State. So it, it's been a bit. Also – who where is Michigan State in the poll this week? Ooh, I um not sure. Talk about them while I find out. Well, the reason I'm asking, has there been a year? Has Kentucky been the lowest ranked team in this event before? Uh and they're not going to be this week because Michigan, uh, State. Michigan State is 18. Ah, look at that. How close. Kentucky did drop a spot to 17, which doesn't matter. It's early. You beat Kansas, you're you're jumping into the top 10. So you got you got an opportunity. But Champions has a little bit of different storyline to it. You got some some teams. You got you got Duke with a loss. You got Michigan State with a loss. Like I don't know if I ever remember two teams in the in the classic having losses by the time the event was played. And uh, you've already had Kansas lose an exhibition on the road at Illinois. So um, there's to me, it's it's going to be a good event. There've been some great college basketball matchups the last few days, and uh, you're getting more tomorrow night. Uh, and, and before we move on completely to. Uh, Kansas and our trip up to, to Chicago tomorrow. I do want to address there were a couple, especially Real Deal 92. He asked uh, any news on VJ Edgecombe, a couple about Caleb Wilson, some other guys who could be reclass guys, but uh, especially VJ Edgecombe. I'm not hearing great things about Kentucky uh, with VJ there. They, they've been in the conversation as a potential dark horse, but I think they came in just a little bit too late. Duke's right there, unfortunately, that bloated class that we just talked about, uh, how good they are. Duke's right there in the thick of things. St. John's is very much in the thick of things. So um, we'll see about if if he signs in the early signing period. That's going to be one that I think it's going to come down to the wire. Um, I, I don't think Kentucky – you know, he's one of those guys that, like, if you get him to wait until the spring by by chance, then you have the conversation of, okay – uh, where does where do things stand with Darren Peterson? Can we get him locked up immediately? He's the priority. If you get him, then the conversation with VJ Edgecombe ends there because he's a, he, he you, you don't take both of those guys uh, in, in 24. Uh, so I, I think it's one of those you just got to get a feel for where things stand and just kind of get the lay of the land. Caleb Wilson would kind of be a similar situation. Uh, I think Kentucky's in a good spot, but assuming he stays in 2025 because again the numbers are starting to add up rather quickly and you don't want to um overload with time you're going to have a lot of departure shot i mean we've kind of talked about rob dillingham potentially being a returning piece for next year's class but after seeing the way he has started this season and the confidence that he's already had as a player um Odds are pretty good that he's going to be leaving after his freshman season. You know, DJ's going to be gone. You know, Justin's going to be gone. You know, Aaron Bradshaw's going to be gone. Antonio and Trey have to be gone. Uh, you go down that list, and there, there really aren't a whole lot of returning pieces beyond likely Reed Shepard. We'll see what happens with Ugana and Yensa. What happens with Zvonimir Avisic? That totally depends on how this season unfolds, whether he decides to go pro or come back for another year. Um you know, Jordan Burks, you know, you're going to have to add a lot of pieces. So I'm glad that we're kind of getting quality on top, quantity on top of quality uh, for this, but uh, it's going to be a numbers game for Kentucky for sure, Sean. 
Oh yeah, it, it is. And, uh, it's still early. We, we don't, like you said, we just don't know where this roster is going to go and who's going to kind of emerge. Rob Dillingham has been kind of the story from off season till early season. And I mean, talking about leading them in scoring and then playing a lot of minutes tomorrow, not's going to tell the tale though, with a lot of these guys, like who's really ready for the bright lights of the champions classic in prime time. I mean, it's, it's Kentucky and it's Kansas. I mean, the two winningest programs all time in the history of college of basketball going at it and in a loaded event. I mean, this is this is going to be a big night for college basketball. Duke, Michigan State, good matchup. Kentucky, Kansas. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who's ready to to kind of emerge and play meaningful possessions here, where we where we just don't know anything about this team right now. Like we we really don't, right? When it comes to we got to see them kind of get pushed around early the other day. Not really pushed around. They they hit five threes that kind of changed the way that that game was played throughout. But they got hit in the mouth that I think was very important, Jack, because I think now they they understand, like, hey, you cannot start that way against Kansas. You start that way against Kansas, it's not turned into an eight-point halftime advantage. It's going to be an 18-point halftime deficit. Big difference. Yeah, and you appreciate their ability to take that punch on the mouth and say, okay, here are our struggles. Here are, here are our, our team's flaws as the roster is currently constructed. Front court depth is a serious issue. Physicality is a serious issue. Rebounding will be a serious issue. And defense at times is going to be an issue as well, especially until you get rim, rim protection back because you don't have that safeguard kind of safety net behind them. You, if DJ gets beat off the dribble, it's two. You know, you, you don't have that safety net. That's something Cal addressed after that win. You appreciated their ability, though, to see the guards rebound well. You get you you got to see them respond in a way that makes you think, okay, they have that retaliation. They have that counterpunch that last year's team didn't necessarily have. Some of the recent teams that we've seen, that's that that gives me some semblance of confidence going into Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I'm confident. I'm confident that Kentucky is going to be in that final four minutes with a shot to win the ballgame. And to me, a couple of things here, transition – Transition tomorrow night on both sides. Transition offense, we're, we're talking push the pace and get some early bu- buckets, get some easy baskets to build some confidence. But on the flip side of that, Kentucky's transition defense has to be elite, in my opinion. And it, it needs to be you're, you're sprinting back to the paint, you're taking easy buckets away from Kansas, and you make them work for everything that they get. Because they know we know they're going to have a size advantage on the interior. They're going to play through Hunter Dickinson. I'm, I'm interested to see what Kentucky does. Do they run some double teams? Uh, is it on the catch? Because he is a good passer. He will make some plays out, out of the post there. Is it on the bounce? Like, I'm, I'm interested to see how Kentucky defends him. But to me, the rebounding, it doesn't necessarily need to be on the offensive glass. It needs to be the defensive glass because I'm more worried about getting back and stopping transition tomorrow night and not giving Kansas anything easy and then rebound on the defensive end and not give them second-chance opportunities. If you limit them to one, you got to be playing offense after that. Let's answer that question from from Devin Morrison. Great question. Do you two think if we keep it a transition game tomorrow, as you were talking about, and guard the interior while forcing Kansas to shoot perimeter shots that we can win? Well, Kansas has actually shot it very well in the the two games that they played this season, which I still am not sold on that. I just don't know if this team, if this Kansas team is going to be able to shoot it well from three over the course of the entire season. Hunter Dickinson, I believe, is four or four from three point range right now. On the year, I, I think Whatever. check that if you can because I I, I don't want to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, I I think I wrote that today, and I don't want to be wrong and write it about somebody else. But I just don't know if they're going to shoot it well over the course of a season. So you've had two really good shooting games. I I think that they did struggle to shoot it against Illinois in that exhibition. So tomorrow night to me feels like when it comes down to it, it it could be a night where they're not hitting. And if that's the case, if they're hitting shots, it's going to be tough. Because they're they're going to get what they're going to get at the rim. They do have an advantage there. But Kentucky has to shoot it well, too. And if you can win the transition battle and you shoot it well, I, I just think Kentucky's going to have a shot. And it's going to come down to it. This is a team that has not been in a situation yet where it's been forced to have to win a basketball game. That's going to be the thing to watch. Who emerges in those minutes? Who does Kentucky play through? Who do they initiate, initiate offense through? Is it Trey Mitchell? Is, is it DJ Wagner? Is Who is it late in games? I mean, that's what I want answered tomorrow night, and I think we'll get some of those questions answered. But I do think Kentucky will be competitive in the final four minutes with a shot to win the ballgame. And I, if, if that's what you get, that's all you can ask for in this one is an opportunity. 
Uh, I will say you were correct. Hunter Dickinson is four for four um, to start the year. He went three for three uh, in the opener. So that 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 is something to be said. We got uh, a couple big updates today uh, from John Calipari that I think is going to make a direct impact on how the game un- unfolds tomorrow, Sean. Adu Thero is back. I think that was one, and, and Cal admitted this, uh, Kentucky probably was not going to win without Adu Thero tomorrow. Just the physicality, the rebounding, that's – you Kentucky is already so shorthanded from a physicality and just big body standpoint that going against a team with such physicality and big bodies, like you, you had to have some type of counterpunch in that way. And Adu Thero, despite being kind of a big guard wing, he's probably the best option that you have in terms of a, a physical presence to at least, you know, throw some counterpunches and, and stay physical and, and be that, that presence down low. Uh, as that small ball four, like he's going to have to be in the game. And if had he still been out, he he was in concussion protocol in in game two. uh, I don't think Kentucky would have had a shot. Like I think that was, that's a bigger addition than I think a lot of people are making it out to be when he went down smacked his head on the the, uh, baseline there in the opener. I kind of looked ahead to Tuesday and said, well, we're not going to have Aaron Bradshaw. We're not going to have Ugo. Big Z is a big question mark. We don't have a do Thero, man. Things might get a little tricky. Yeah, it, it was definitely going to because when you're talking physicality, he he matches it right. And he's a guy that, and to me, Kentucky, it's by committee until you get your interior. Everything's by committee. You got to score it by committee. You got to rebound it by committee. And, and just to me, this needs to be a game tomorrow night where Kentucky has four dudes north of six rebounds each. It's got to be collective. Trey Mitchell's got to get his on the glass. And then paint touches. Touch the paint. We know how Kansas is going to touch the paint. They're going to feed Hunter Dickinson on the block. We we know that there's going to be paint touches there. Kentucky's touching the paint has to come from its guards getting downhill. And if Kentucky can touch the paint, you get Antonio Reeves some, some threes, you get Trey Mitchell. Like We're talking about how hard it's going to be for Kentucky to guard Kansas. And, yes, we know that that assignment is going to be difficult. Bill Self is also having to figure out how he's going to guard Kentucky tonight. But there is one thing about Bill Self that in this matchup against a young Kentucky team, he is going to mix things up. He's going to throw some different looks at Kentucky. If Kentucky has a couple guys that are going off, we know that Bill Self will go to a triangle too. And that's something that does it stump this young Kentucky team when Bill Self mixes things up defensively in their ball screen coverage and the way that they're playing. Like There's going to be a lot of changing throughout the game. Kentucky just has to stay poised. And who is it that hits shots for Kentucky in stretches where they need a bucket? Is it Antonio Reeves? Is it Trey Mitchell? Is it one of the guards? Like, or is it just getting to the free throw line? Like, those are the questions. Like, man, I'm excited because we're getting real basketball talk now about what this team can be. And by Wednesday morning, Jack, we're going to be able to have a completely different discussion about what is it we see. Well, on that note, the NBA and college basketball season are back. Join FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 winning money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit uh, fanduel.com slash pilgrim that is fanduel.com slash pilgrim fanduel official partner of the nfl 21 and older and present in kentucky first online real money wager only five dollar pre-game money line wager required ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets which requires uh, expire seven days after receipt uh, restrictions apply see Terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. On that note, Sean, Kansas opens as a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, over with our friends at FanDuel. Uh, minus 230 money line. Kentucky plus 188 money line. Uh, w- what are you thinking about that spread? I know that's one that's kind of been a little polarizing within the fan base. Uh, some jumping on Kansas, actually, thinking that they're kind of shocked that the spread was that close uh, over under set at 147 and a half points. Well, like it's, it's what I said, right? Like if, if I expect Kentucky to have a chance late, then they're somewhere within that number. Right. And, and they're right down the stretch. I, the, the over under to me could is, is one I'm looking at too, because uh, I think you're going to see some points put up in this game for sure. Like I think you're going to see both teams to me, there, there's going to be some nerves and everybody's going to be fired up because it's a, it's a big game. Like it's, I mean, it's number one, Kansas, 
versus Kentucky. It doesn't matter what numbers beside Kentucky. Like you can just throw the numbers out the door. It's it's the equivalent of a one versus two matchup at the United Center. But um, interested to see what you know player props and stuff that that comes out in the next couple of days. But just looking at it, like the five and a half for Kentucky, I, I, I do think that Kentucky is going to have a shot there late to 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 do it, but. The over-under is kind of where I'm looking at, too, because I think you're going to see a lot of points put up in this matchup. So we need your help, BBN. So we have to come up with our parlay for tomorrow. We have to come up with our kind of put our money where our mouth is and figure out what the heck is going to happen in tomorrow's game. I feel a lot better about it now that a do Thero is back. Um, Cal also talked, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit after we're, we're done talking about FanDuel, but – uh, we Cal talked today, Sean, that we're still waiting on Big Z's clearance from the NCAA. Uh, kind of took a couple little jabs at the admissions office and saying, had we got this done earlier, he would already been in. There would be no question, and he would be playing against Kansas. But did not rule out the possibility that by the time tip-off starts at 9.30 tomorrow in Chicago, that there is a chance that the NCAA clears Big Z. Um, does that change anything for you? What would Big Z's re-emergence or I guess emergence for the first time due to change that Cal said that he would like the opportunity to reward Big Z with some minutes in a big game after everything he's gone through. Does you, that change anything for you? Uh, there, to me, like, man, that's tough. You you don't see him at all, and then you throw him out there against number one on the broadest of stages <laughs> or the biggest of stages. Oh, boy. Uh, that'd be tough. But if you could at least get a minute or two, that'd be great. Like, I'd, I'd love to see it. But – I think you're going to see Trey Mitchell almost wire to wire. Like I'm talking 36 minutes if he stays out of foul trouble tomorrow night. So like he's going to have to make shots. If if he's going to play that much, he's going to have to be that complimentary piece to uh, in in the counter piece to Trey Mitchell or to Hunter Dickinson. Like if, if he's going to be in the game that much and he's going to have to be, he's going to have to make shots and make Hunter Dickinson as uncomfortable as possible guarding out, out on the perimeter, playing to our style of play, not to Hunter's. Yeah, and it's th- that's the thing. Like, I, I, you're gonna need you're gonna need a couple of threes from him at that spot too. I think because we know keeping Hunter off the offensive glass is gonna is gonna be tough. That's gonna be a task. And but I mean, if he if he's stepping out and shooting threes, like I don't think that we're gonna be looking Wednesday morning. He's still gonna be perfect on the year from three. Like, if he takes a couple of threes, like to me, that's a transition starter for Kentucky. Some Kansas missed threes. You get these guards out and you get them in transition. You get them running. And I don't know. Like, there's there's so many unknowns because I'm trying to figure out how Kentucky's going to defend him. But on the other side, I want to see how they attack him too. If he's playing some drop coverage, what does Kentucky do out of ball screen? Do they, they, they need to attack it for sure. If they get him out on the floor and stretch him out, we saw Trey Mitchell be able to put it on the deck and make some plays against New Mexico State. Does, does he drive him? The one disaster scenario in all this is Trey Mitchell gets in foul trouble. If that happens, Kentucky's really stretched when it comes to to rotation and what they can do. Looking at our friends over at Game Time, uh, just unlocked a flash deal for one hundred and nine dollars all in tomorrow in uh, in Chicago uh, at the Champions Classics. Two two games for the price of one. You do not want to miss that. At the United Center will be there. You can come see the sources say crew will. Uh, have a blast with it, but go see our friends at game time. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets. Now is not the time for guesswork with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and the best price guaranteed game time does all of the hard work for you. The game time deal uh, game time has deals uh, on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball uh, concerts, comedy theater, and more. I just, I talked about finding one for champion, the Champions Classic tomorrow. So I know that they are there with zone deals. You pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use promo code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Come see us in Chicago uh, with our friends at game time. You will not want to miss that opportunity. And then 
close this out with My Perfect Franchise. Source Today Podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.com or .net. Uh, Sean, it's a big one. We hit the road tomorrow morning. Very excited to uh, head up to Chicago. Last minute uh, predictions for Kentucky as we use these last second predictions for our uh, picks for for tomorrow that you, we you will see uh, on social media and on the website with our friends at Fanduel. Well, in the in the in the season preview that we put up on the KSR YouTube page a week ago, I, I said Kentucky to go four and one in big non conference games, and this was the loss because they have no front court. Do I think Kentucky will have a shot to win it? I do. But I'm going to go Kansas in a close one. I'm going to go Kansas 79, Kentucky 77. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take end up taking Kentucky, Kentucky in the spread at plus five and a half. But I mean, I just don't know if I can get there for the win, considering everything Kentucky is going to have to overcome. But maybe I can be con- convinced by tomorrow. It's going to be a long day leading up to that 9:30 tip off, and I, you know, you guys know how I operate. I'm a sucker for. Uh, uh, changing my mind in favor of the cats late. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, we got to get out of here because the football podcast comes on immediately after this. I mean, are you kidding me? You get back-to-back hours of, of, of KSR content, content here on the KSR YouTube page. Uh, you can't get that anywhere else. So Sean, appreciate you jumping on with me. we got a lot of fun stuff that we got, got through recruiting news, uh, big game tomorrow. Uh, Sean, appreciate you being a part of it. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB country. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, We'll be back, hopefully after a big win, following Kentucky's matchup against number one Kansas in Chicago for the Champions Classic. We'll see you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.